This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. The program, we're going to have a little bit of fun today talking with our Turkish correspondent, Gordon Smith. We just made Gordon our Turkish correspondent before we took off for Turkey last month. I asked him to do what he could to research the story of Kemal Ataturk because I promised on this program for I don't know how many years that we're going to get around to talking about that most singular figure in European and Middle Eastern and certainly Turkish history. And doggone it, today's the day we do it. We've spoken with Gordon in the past about uh, travels. Uh, Most recently, I think, my trip with him to Colombia and Costa Rica a little over a year ago. Which does remind me when I say that, that I've been meaning to put the video clip that Gordon shot of us driving on the roads of Colombia. Because, among other things, it certainly shows you what's in store for you if you elect to go to that nation and rent a car and travel around. Let's just say Colombian roads are not like the Autobahn. But uh, this correspondence is very, uh, very fond of the nation of Turkey, which is really more a European nation. Well, it is both a European nation and a Middle Eastern nation. It's not an exaggeration to say that Istanbul is and has been, for a couple of thousand years, the crossroads of the world. So I personally am looking forward to our chat in segment two, and I think when we're done, uh, you'll be pleased to. We're also going to talk in our third segment, at least... I'm going to talk about uh, the trip up to Reading last Sunday the 20th for the annular eclipse. As an eclipse chaser, I was pleased to finally have one come to me, having in the past had to go to Baja, California, Bolivia, Turkey, and Siberia to see one. Alas, we did not get a total eclipse, but it was still a pretty cool thing, and I'm looking forward to talking about that in segment three. At this point, I think we ought to begin the show as we like to do each show with On This Date in History. Our date today is the 24th of May. And it was on May 24th in 1543 that the Polish astronomer Nicholas Copernicus died in what is now Frombork, Poland. He was the first to propose that the Earth and the other planets revolve around the sun. Well, that's not true. I mean, there were some Greeks that were kicking that idea around, but I guess we got to give credit where credit is due. He did propose this. Of course, he wrote it in a book that he insisted only be published after he was dead, having seen how the uh, church regarded uh, such heretical ideas. Copernicus also noted that the earth turns daily on its axis, which accounts for the changing seasons as the axis points in different directions. Copernicus, of course, was quite fearful of church authorities because the idea that the Earth went around the sun is not very biblical. You ever notice how all these creationists that keep trying to tell us that uh, the Earth uh, uh, came about the way it's described in the first chapter of Genesis have finally given up on the idea that the Earth is flat and the sun goes around it? So I guess if we give them about five more centuries, maybe they'll accept evolution. I wouldn't bet on it, though. Moving right along, on May 24th in 1589, the French composer Charles Gounod's Ave Maria was sung in public for the first time. And I guess I know what our bumper music is going to be, Mr. McMillan. On this date in 1929, The Coconuts, the first film to star the American comedians The Marx Brothers, opened at the Rialto Theater in Los Angeles, California. 
And I must say, although the Coconuts is not the best of the Marx Brothers efforts, it's uh, it still holds up pretty well. It's got quite a few laughs. If you've never seen it, you should, dear listener. Which does contain dialogue such as the following. Bellboy. That's all very well, Mr. Hammer. We haven't been paid in two weeks, and we want our wages. Groucho is Hammer. Wages? You want to be wage slaves? Answer me that. Boys. Well, no. Hammer. Of course not. Well, what makes wage slaves? Wages! I want you all to be free. And you know what's remarkable? That's the exact philosophy of uh, Mitt Romney. Apparently Groucho was really ahead of his time. Here's one I remember. On May 24th in 1964, Senator Barry Goldwater, while running for the U.S. presidency, gives an interview in which detractors would claim he suggests the use of atomic bombs in North Vietnam to defoliate forests and destroy other targets. After a storm of protest, Goldwater said the suggestion was not his, but one by competent military commanders that he had merely passed along. I remember this as a boy because my mother, herself a lifelong Republican, thought the idea of dropping an atomic bomb on Vietnam was not a good idea. And I remember my grandfather defending Goldwater, saying, we didn't say drop a bomb, which was true, but he did propose the use of tactical nuclear weapons. Which uh, my grandpa, God love him, I guess thought was a lot different. Speaking of bombs, on this date in 1990, a bomb exploded in a car in Oakland, California, injuring two members of the Earth First militant environmental movement. No charges were filed against them, although authorities claimed that they carried the bomb themselves. You know, Dr. Andy Jones knows something about this. Uh, I believe he knows one of the people involved in that episode. We need to bring him on to kind of educate us as to what really happened, uh, if we know and I think we have a good idea. But it was alleged by the Earth First people that the bomb was planted on them, which is possible. At any rate, speaking of bombs again, on May 24th in 1994, a U.S. court sentenced four men who were convicted of the bombing of the World Trade Center in New York City. They got 240 years each. Sad to note that that unsuccessful terrorist attack to bring down the World Center was followed by ones uh, that did. And buried in that story are um, some secrets I think we should probably try and explore with Peter Dale Scott if we get a chance to do so in the coming year. Because I know for sure there's, um, there's more to that story. Well, let's end by not talking about bombs, but the fact that it was on this date in 1976 that boxer Muhammad Ali defeated Richard Dunn in Munich with a knockout to retain his world heavyweight boxing title. And I had to admit, I mentioned this item because when I looked up Richard Dunn on Wikipedia being somewhat vague on that fight. I was intrigued by the entry in Wikipedia that noted that Dunn was notable as the only Yorkshireman ever to fight Ali. So by doing a little research, I guess I learned something. Our quote today comes from baseball great Pee Wee Reese, who once said, if you have talent, you don't have to tell people. And our quote of the day comes from the immortal Irving Berlin, who once said, life is 10% what you make it, and 90% how you take it. Irving, you're so right. Our joke today comes from the immortal Oscar Wilde who once said, When I was young, I used to think money was the most important thing in life. Now that I am old, I know it is. Oscar was kidding, I think. Truthfully, I don't know. Our stat of the day is that 60% of Americans say President Obama's decision to support gay marriage will not affect their vote. 
However, 26% say they will be less likely to vote for him, while 13% say they will be more likely to do so, according to Gallup. And our bonus stat of the day is as follows. According to the LA Times, China has become the world's leading market for both Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis. Wealthy Chinese bought more of the luxury car brands last year than anyone else in the world. And although I probably shouldn't say this, this correspondent is frightened by the prospect of Chinese behind the wheel of Lamborghinis. And I hasten to add when I say that, that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. Of course, when I do say this, I I base my fear in part upon reports I received from our China travel specialist, Stan Godwin, who has told me that although I have been to China and seen people drive over there, things have changed. And while in America we consider them to be traffic laws, the Chinese tend to regard them more as traffic suggestions. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Anyway, it was a good week last week for the German police when it was revealed that in the previous year, 2011, German police forces fired only 85 bullets throughout the whole year. By way of comparison, the New York City Police Department fired 84 shots at a single murder suspect in April of this year. And it was a bad week last week for Russian marital bliss when it was revealed that a Russian man apparently had spent the previous month starving in a forest after fighting with his wife about a bowl of soup. Evidently, Yurik Tisuik, age 69, stormed out of his house in a remote region after his wife served him soup that he felt was too cold. Tisuik unfortunately became lost and survived for a month on berries and leaves until he was discovered suffering from malnutrition and frostbite. But this story has a redeeming moment. Tasuik was quoted as saying, No matter what happens, that's the last time I criticize my wife's cooking. And it was an ugly week last week for the health of Americans with the news that the Centers for Disease Control, which I refuse to call the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I mean, prevention is part of control, isn't it? Anyway, the CDC now predicts that the obesity rate for Americans will rise from 36% today to 42% by the year 2030. (laughs) The part I really am amazed about the story is that some are reporting this as good news because, hey, that's lower than some were predicting a few years ago. God, we're in how many years of a recession and people are still getting fatter? All right, a couple items from our military industry which I think just bears citing. Number one, according to the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. has wasted up to $60 billion in payments to contractors who aided war efforts in Iraq and Afghanistan. An independent commission found that one out of every $4 spent on war zone contractors in the past decade was wasted. 
And uh, balancing off the Wall Street Journal, we have this one from the New York Times. Of course, the idea that the Wall Street Journal is conservative and the New York Times is liberal, it's pretty boneheaded. Of course, the Wall Street Journal editorial pages are, I think, somewhere to the right of William McKinley. But according to the Times, documents found in Tripoli indicate that the CIA sent eight terrorism suspects to Libya to be interrogated by its intelligence service despite its long history of torture. Asked about this, a CIA spokeswoman said the agency, quote, works with foreign governments to help protect our country, unquote. We're going to have to stand with Senator John McCain on this one and express doubt that torture produces good information. All right, here's a couple of items from our disgrace of a legal system. Dateline, Louisville, Kentucky. Prison authorities are debating whether to give a death row inmate who has exhausted all of his appeals a new hip. Yes, apparently Robert Foley, age 55, was convicted of killing six people in the eastern Kentucky in uh, 1989 and 1991, which made him the most prolific killer on Kentucky's death row. Foley's attorney, Jamisa Drake, said the state needs a way to care for for condemned inmates, even those with complex needs. Foley's been on death row since 1993, and he's unable to get around without help because he's at risk of a dangerous fall. Which reminds me of a story that I probably shouldn't tell. But while as a medical student working at the Long Beach VA, a patient with a very long psych history dove out the window, which was a window on the fourth floor, and wound up on the roof of an annex, which was three stories high. Although he was cut up, he was not seriously hurt. On rounds the next morning, the resident asked, what are we going to do with this guy? At which point one of the medical students offered the helpful solution of, well, we could transfer him to a higher floor. And, and how about this item? Apparently, Trayvon Martin's autopsy showed that he had marijuana in his system the night he was killed by Neighborhood Watch volunteer George Zimmerman. You know, I'm pretty sure, that no matter what you want to say about this case, marijuana in the system had nothing to do with what happened. You can test positive a very long time after you've, uh, you, you've smoked marijuana. Maybe a month later, you can still be in your system. And let's face it, it's not a drug that makes a person bellicose, belligerent, and prone to fight. It's always bothered me a great deal that the easiest drug to pick up in a drug test is marijuana. And it seems to probably be, as a general rule, the most irrelevant drug to drug testing. And from the political front, we note with some sadness the passing of the colorful Dennis Kucinich from the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, Dennis lost a primary battle against uh, Representative Marcy Kaptur, whose districts had been merged. You know, I see the hand of some Republican politicians on that one. But I had a chance to meet Dennis Kucinich more than once. We we had him as a guest on this program, and I'm sorry to see uh, that he will be absent from the House of Representatives. Don't always agree with all of his positions, but he, he certainly was um, one of the few people not afraid to stake out an unpopular position. And speaking of politics, let's hear what America's foremost political comedian, Mr. Will Durst, has to say this week. Hey, guys. 
Will Durst here to express my amazement at the quality of endorsements Mitt Romney is already racking up. Oh my god, the wild enthusiasm makes Tepid sound like a crazed bellow. Somebody better warn NASA because we are approaching new heights of apathy here. George W. Bush made his momentous announcement by saying, I'm from Mitt Romney, to an ABC News crew as the elevator doors were closing on him. Rick Santorum got around to mentioning his ringing endorsement 13 paragraphs into a 16-paragraph email to supporters that he sent out at midnight. And these are Romney's Republican buddies. You'd think their families were being held at gunpoint or something. It's been like that ever since he became the presumptive nominee. People are coming out of the woodwork with the same kind of frenzy nine-year-old girls have her Haggis-flavored ice cream studded with pickle chips. Here's some other passionate testimonials we can expect to hear over the coming weeks. Mitt Romney. Hey, we could do worse. Mitt Romney. Well, we had to go with somebody, didn't we? Mitt Romney. Only two of his five sons think he's a soulless cyborg. Not the brainwashed Romney. That was his dad. Mitt Romney. He may be out of touch with the mainstream, but he sure looks pretty good tanning on the embankment. Mitt Romney. Survived the mean streets of Bloomfield Hills. He's no John McCain. Mormons are sort of like Christians, aren't they? Mitt Romney, not that bad when you consider the alternatives. Mitt Romney, hasn't strapped a dog to the roof of his car in over 28 years. Mitt Romney, he's got gas money. Mitt Romney, a man who feels strongly about both sides of many issues. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will. Let's take a short break and come back and talk about Turkey and its founding father, Kemal Ataturk, with our good pal, Mr. Gordon Smith. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stick around. 